The information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a qualified licensed professional counselor or a qualified licensed medical provider. Hi, welcome back for the second episode of the Evolving Chair podcast. I hope you guys had a chance to listen to my introduction as well as episode one. So please like, share, and review, and subscribe, and let me know your thoughts. You can email me at tecpodcast2017 at gmail.com, and you can look at my website at theevolvingchair.com. I have a Facebook page, The Evolving Chair Podcast, and newly found it today, I have an Instagram page at TEC Podcast. So please hit me up and let me know your thoughts. If you have topics that you think would be good for this podcast for me to discuss, definitely let me know. Share your comments, your questions, share it all. I want to hear from you, the listeners. So we are in the month of April towards the end of it and we are celebrating Stress Awareness Month and it's so great because today's guest is actually a nurse practitioner. So I thought how cool is that to close out the month of April talking about stress awareness. So as we all know, stress can be some kind of stressful situation that comes in our lives that causes our bodies to go into that fight, flight, or freeze mode. And sometimes people aren't able to handle the stress that comes their way. So I just wanted to highlight some facts about stress um, that I got from the American Institute of Stress website. So 90% of all medical visits are stress related. Wow, that's that's a lot. That's really a lot. So we're all running to the hospital with these somatic symptoms. So those physical symptoms of headaches, nausea, back aches, um, even um, the mental health issues of depression, feelings of loneliness, because many of the times that is stress related. Um, what I found on the website of the American Institute of Stress was that they had a study which broke down so many different categories of how stress affects us in the United States. It was a study done back in 2014, so the most current information. And the top seven things that are stress-related in our lives were job pressure was number one, money was number two, Health was third, relationships was fourth, fifth was poor nutrition, sixth was media overload. Wow, that's that's something. I guess all the social media we're on with the tweeting, Facebooking, Instagramming. Um, and the seventh one was sleep deprivation. So as it relates to the job pressure as being the top stressor in our lives through this study, it highlighted being stressed by coworkers, so that tension between coworkers that may be going on, your boss, or just feeling work overload. I know I had several coworkers that were stressed out um, from a previous job, and 
that didn't allow them to produce their quality work that they were used to producing. And it, it even caused them sometimes to to take off of work just because it was so overwhelming. And they, they just weren't able to handle that daily pressure of coming into work, being stressed out. And I mean, who wants to be stressed out going to work? And you have to be with these people all day. <laughs> Nobody wants to be in that type of environment. The, the top stressor of money being number two related to either having a loss of a job reduced retirement or medical expenses and I think for many of us some may be in debt with the medical expenses and and stressing right now how can we pay this several thousand dollar bill that I'm getting and still be able to provide for my family or if you lose a job now you're thinking about what what can I do to keep my family afloat which can be very stressful the third one, health, which talked about terminal or chronic illnesses and just health crisis in itself. Fourth, relationships. So expounding on divorces, death of a spouse, argument with your friend or feelings of loneliness. And I think that goes back to my very first episode on relationships. How important are they when you don't have those relationships and that support and things are disruptive you start to be stressed out and feel those somatic symptoms and sometimes can lead even into the mental health issues of things um the fifth one poor nutrition so too much caffeine so my coffee drinkers out there y'all better slow up (laughs) um which is actually quite funny so for the first time ever I actually had coffee maybe like two and a half, three weeks ago at a training I was at because I was just so tired. I was so exhausted because I was up late working the night before and had to turn around and be up um, for this training. And I was like, man, I, I don't have anything else um, <laughs> to to really drink to to boost me up. And I was like, OK. They got this coffee in here, but they also had all these little creamers. And so I poured maybe like less than a half a cup um, of coffee in one of the, like a plastic cup. And I had maybe like eight, um, creamers. (laughs) Um, I think they were... Nestle or Toll House something but they were actually really good and and so then I came back for some that afternoon because I said oh you know I need a little more coffee to get me through and I did the same thing I probably had like nine or ten creamers this time um so yes I I'm pretty sure I wasn't really drinking the coffee I just had the sugar (laughs) from the creamer in there So, yeah, and needless to say, I think I crashed that night because of all that sugar. So, yeah, I'm sorry, I digress. (laughs) Um, But again, back to the poor nutrition. So not just the caffeine, but processed foods and the refined sugars um, and not having an adequate diet of the things we need um, to produce our best selves physically. Um, Media overload was six 
So again, talking about the Facebook, Instagramming all day, every day. That's all we doing. Um, emails. You're on vacation, but yet you are responding to those emails. So when do you actually have time to shut it off? When do you have time to shut off it? Um, I know for me, um, when social media, well, Facebook and Instagram were really big, I was on it all the time, all the time. And I had to actually step away and take a break from it because it consumed time. As I'm at work, I'm like scrolling through it or at home scrolling through it. And it's like, yep, I'm spending too much time on on the book and IG. Um, I never was a Twitter person, so I never got into that. Um, but I was like, okay, let me take a step back and kind of reevaluate things and decrease my um attention to social media and kind of you know worked on my own goals and things of that nature for my family and all of that and I thought that was a really great thing for me so I think sometimes we need to learn to um disconnect from social media sometimes as well um and the last one was sleep deprivation so our inability to release the adrenaline which is that stress hormone which is released when we are in a stressful situation that produces that fight flight or freeze response from us and if we're unable to produce that to get that that stress hormone that adrenaline release we gonna be up all night <laughs> so finding ways to release that adrenaline hormone is key as well all right so a little more on stress awareness month before my guest nadia the nurse practitioner comes on is the top five things for us to remember about stress is that stress affects everyone not all stress is bad stress Long-term stress can harm your health. There are ways to manage your stress. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, talk to a healthcare professional. Seek help from a, a, a medical provider for that. Um, if you want to learn more information about stress, please go to the American Institute of Stress website. You can learn a whole bunch of information um, about what they're doing in terms of the research of stress um, and how they're working with people with different types of stress. So they highlight um, practitioners working with uh, veterans of PTSD, suicide. Um, if you want to donate to their cause and the research that they're doing, feel free do that. Um, one last thing that I found interesting on their website was that your business can be an AIS certified company or organization. So um, that was really, really cool. So an American Institute um, stress certified business or company, and they have guidelines and requirements within their website on how your business can become that. Um, so if you are a business owner and you're like, hey, you know, I want my companies to love coming to work every day and to have a, a relaxed environment for customers to feel good in and your employees, please go check out their website as they have tips on how to become an AIS certified business 
or organization or if you you know don't want to go that route necessarily they definitely have still have great tips for you to take in and produce it at your your business for for a decrease in a stressful environment now some stress may not go out completely because I think we still do need stress going back to not all uh stress is bad sometimes we need those good stresses as well all right so we will be right back after this with our guest Nadia the nurse practitioner and today's quote the greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over another. James Harris. All right, guys, I have my special guest, Nadia Dewey, nurse practitioner in the house today. You want to say hi to the listeners for me, Nadia? Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm so happy that she was able to come to this special episode, which is episode two of the Evolving Chair podcast. Um, Nadia is a family nurse practitioner born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She completed her undergrad studies at Mount Mary Columbia College of Nursing in December 2009 and has been a registered nurse since January 2010. After a year of working as an RN, she decided that she wanted to return to graduate school for her MSN in order to become an NP in hopes of one day starting her own practice. Nadia graduated from Concordia University of Wisconsin in 2014 with her MSN and became a board certified FNP. Nadia has experience within the community and hospital setting in both acute and chronic care. She currently works in the reproductive health field. She values the professional relationships and teaching opportunities that are available with caring for women and their families throughout their lifespan. One of her ultimate career goals is to open and run her own women's health clinic. How about that? Talk about black magic girl power. I know, right? Yes. And again, I want to thank you for being a guest today. So I do want to start off before we get into the nitty gritty of other questions from listeners. Um, Tell our listeners a little bit about what an NP is and how does that differ from an RN, an LPN? So a nurse practitioner is what you call a mid-level provider. Um, So they are on the same level as PAs to some extent. Um, PAs Mm -hmm. stands for physician assistant. Um, Both require a bachelor's and a master's degree um, where PAs or physician assistants and MPs differ is that Nurse practitioners obviously have a background in nursing, mm-hmm. whereas PAs, physician, physician assistants, excuse me, they could um, they could have a background in like sciences as far as like a bachelor, but mm-hmm. then they go back for the PA program. Okay. Um, and then PAs can't work independently, whereas nurse practitioners can. Oh. So we have to have a collaborating doctor that kind of says, okay, if I have any questions or concerns, mm-hmm. I can basically call them and they'll sign off on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I wanted to have my own practice, I could do that versus a physician assistant, they could not. Um, so nurse practitioner is very similar to that of a doctor in okay. that um, I can prescribe medication, I can diagnose, I can assess Mm -hmm. um, treatment plans, um, so on and so forth. Um, Obviously, we don't get as, you know, paid as much as doctors. (laughs) Right, right. Unfortunately. (laughs) 
Um, and I mean, obviously, doctors go to school for a lot longer. Right. Um, a lot of them are in specialties and can do surgeries and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand um, in some instances. Um, so that that's the biggest, um, I guess, difference or description of a nurse practitioner um, is that we're more like a provider. So if you okay. go, so it's. If you go to the doctor and you get like a physical or like, Mm -hmm. you know, like a well child check or if you're going in because you got pink eye or ear pain, Mm -hmm. I would be that person standing in the doctor's place. I could do all of that. Oh, pretty cool. Um, This isn't a question from a listener, but I thought this would be great for listeners to know. What is the day and life of a nurse practitioner? What does that look like? And in what type of setting do you predominantly do your work in right now? So currently I am in reproductive health. Um, So I do a lot with birth control. Mm -hmm, I do mm -hmm. a lot with um, STD screenings and treatment. And then obviously a lot of preventative care. Like you want to educate patients um, on, you know, things that they should know of in in regards to their bodies and so on and so forth um, so that they can make better choices so that they don't come back in the treatment for things right, so right. Um, that's a big part of what I do um and I currently work with adolescents okay um, so okay. I'm open to you know adolescents and adults that's kind of my passion but right now I'm with adolescents oh definitely a hard age age yes, yes. <laughs> to work with you but know awesome stuff <laughs> yes <laughs> But awesome stuff you're doing in the community. Yes. That's so awesome. So as far as a day in the life of, mm-hmm. um, that that can very much vary. You know, it depends on what field, okay. you know, you actually work in. So with me, um, I said reproductive health, but I do that within the community. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm in schools, I'm um, in jail systems, you know. So um, my day can really vary depending on yeah. the population that I'm working with. So. I think, I think any other nurse practitioner would kind of say the same thing. Okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, I don't know if you want to share with our listeners a little backdrop of the reason why you got into the field. What motivated you to want to be a nurse practitioner? Mm, Well, I've always wanted to be a nurse since I was a young child. I had an aunt um, who, she was a nurse and um, she also went back to become a nurse practitioner. Um, And she was a big part of why I first kind of decided that I wanted to go into the nursing field. Once I became an RN, um, it kind of got to a point where I kind of felt like I wanted to be able to provide my patients with more, right? So as an RN, obviously, like you could do education and teaching, but you you're basically required to carry out the orders that the doctors give you, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So doctor writes the order, says, give this med, do this teaching, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And that's what you do. Right. Um, and while, you know, doctors have tons of knowledge and, you know, I, I appreciate all of them. Their profession is definitely one um, that stands up alone. And, you know, mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. instances um, I felt like I wanted to be able to, give my patients more coming from a nursing standpoint. I feel like there's something to say about having the nursing background because I feel like there's a lot more of that holistic care um, yeah. and caring and um, so on and so forth. So I decided to go back so that I could have more autonomy um, mm-hmm. and make mm-hmm. bigger choices um, with and for my patients. So Awesome. Mm-hmm. Sounds really awesome. Um, so we can begin to dive into listeners' questions. One of the questions 
a listener sent in was, does the medication that is prescribed always help? And again, listeners, please, <laughs> this is just Nadia's take and opinion on it. So please don't take it for face value. <laughs> Everybody is different, but we wanted to get somebody's professional opinion that's out there in the field. Right, right. So the question is, is the medication that is prescribed always helpful? Yes. Yes. I would like to think that in most cases, when a provider recommends a medication for you, Mm -hmm. the benefits outweigh the risks. Okay. Um, Obviously, every medication has side effects, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you're taught as a provider that, you know, to kind of weigh the pros and cons for each patient. Right. Each patient is different. You know, obviously, first line is lifestyle changes as far as counseling in regards to dieting and exercise. Okay. Um, but if that's not working for your patient and, you know, it's more beneficial for them to be on medication, mm-hmm. then that's what you do. Unfortunately, each patient is different. So um, sometimes it can be a trial and error because you never know how that medication is going to react to your body. So something okay. that we may have um, tried on someone else that worked wonderful Mm -hmm. um we may give it to you and it may not have the same effect and you know therefore i can see how some patients may think or be concerned like are you giving me something that's not really going to work or are you giving me this medication um but again we sometimes don't know until we actually give it to you um because each person is different now most times medications that we are given there are studies to support Mm -hmm. that it Mm -hmm. is effective in most patients Mm -hmm. but again everyone is not most patients right right definitely um and to segue a little bit off of prescribing the medication and if it's always helpful do you take the medication that you prescribe or prescribe to your children where did you get these questions (laughs) i I got some great (laughs) listeners out here so shout out to my listeners that gave these great questions to ask yes they are bringing they are bringing the heat i love it though i love it um you know i think there's something to say about being on the opposite end of the spectrum and and you know kind of um seeing what those side effects are you know i mean because i think we i mean we share them with patients uh, obviously because you should like if you're right. giving them something like they need to know what the side effects are um but I think seeing it and kind of doing the research, it kind of makes you more skeptical or I I just kind of feel like you would try to do any and everything in your power to maybe uh, avoid some of those harmful side effects. Okay. So if anything, I think that that makes us work harder to live a healthier lifestyle. Okay. So whether that's trying to eat better or um, trying to exercise more because we don't want to put ourselves in a situation where we absolutely had to take that medication. Now, if I had to take it again, it would just be a situation where the benefits would need to outweigh those risks. But if that was my only option, yes, I would take it. I, I would like to think that me personally, I would not give a patient something that if I was in their situation, right. I wouldn't take myself. Right. So. Okay. Now, what do you say? And this this isn't a listener question. I'm just thinking the commercials we see mm-hmm. and they tell you their prescription <laughs> and you're like, all these side effects. And it goes on and it goes forever. Right. It's ever. like about 25 side effects. So you're telling me right. Right. <laughs> to 
Treat right. this one thing exactly. I could so, possibly end up with. So don't quote me exactly, but mm-hmm. I believe that drug companies um, and pharmaceutical companies, um, they're required to list just about every side effect mm-hmm. that someone reports in okay. regards to that medication. Okay. So even if so, it is just one person even that if happened it is just one, to... Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, usually sometimes they'll list like these side effects are more likely and these are less likely. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. But they, they should be listing them all. And again, like for instance, like with Depo, mm-hmm. obviously a common side effect right. is weight gain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's one that we definitely talk about. A less common one might be headaches, right? Okay. But that is one that, you know, some people do have, you know, okay, so yeah. again, it's kind of a toss up. It depends on you and how your body kind of yeah. reacts to that medication. But sometimes when they do that long list, it's because maybe just one person had it and they absolutely have to uh, list it. Yeah. That's so, something. It is. <laughs> I just look at the TV and I'm like, huh? So for that one thing I can get, okay. Right. I don't know if I really right. want to say I got these issues. Right. Why should I take this? Right. But I feel like that in itself is why preventative health is so important. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that's mm-hmm. why we should be striving to make sure that we're living healthier lifestyles. I know it's hard, but when mm-hmm. you think about these medications and yeah. the side effects that they can have, it's like, okay, you start one medication and then you have to start another one because of the side effect of that yeah. first medication, yeah. you know? So I, I completely understand how that can like discourage people from mm-hmm. seeking um, help and advice from your healthcare provider. Um, however, you know, we have to kind of take, some responsibility as well and say, you know, what can I do right, to right. better myself so that I'm right. not in a situation where I have to depend on these medications. Right, right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So the next question I think goes back to a little of what you talked about with the preventative health and how you even suggest sometimes to some of your patients, you talk to them about changing their diet and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the listeners' questions w- was, why aren't natural remedies or natural things suggested first instead of the medicine? I need to meet these people. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I am just kidding. Um, So again, you know, you may ask a different provider and they may have a different response. But I think generally the reason that we don't off the bat promote or push like holistic things or um, natural medicines um, is because of the fact that, again, with our training, we are required to only recommend things where there have been documented trials. Right. right? Okay. So So we don't want to tell you to go out here and try this plant over here. <laughs> and I mean, no, no shade, no shade, you know? <laughs> no shade to the people that are exactly, exactly. but we don't want to tell you to try this plant. And then you're like, Oh, well, my doctor told me to try this. And then you have this horrible side effect. Yeah. And then you come back yeah. to me and say, but you told me to try it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I was just right. trying to put something out there that I heard worked, but there's really no right. trials to support yeah. that it's accurate. So therefore, you know, I kind of take the stance of, you know, if this is a cultural thing for you, if you feel more comfortable doing it, I support you. However, I want to make you aware of that. And if it's something that I'm not really familiar with, I'll actually say, let me try to do research 
you know, to mm. see what I can find, yeah. and, you know, on that. And um, if it's some harmful side effects or something that I'm concerned about, I'll, you know, yeah. I'll let them know. Um, but that's the biggest reason I think as to why we don't recommend that upfront is because there's not always that much information to kind of support um, the effectiveness of that. Yeah, no, sometimes I wish um, providers did prescribe natural remedies for things or give a script. I know when my daughter um, had eczema really bad, you know, we used um, raw shea butter. Okay. And I know the provider was providing the creams and things like that. Um, but I told her I wasn't using it because I was using the, you know, the shape, the raw shea butter. And she was like, if that works, go with right, that. Right, right. You know, and I was like, right. man, I wish you could write me a script for it, though, so I don't have to pay, but that's, okay. I mean, that's, that's very <laughs> true because these things can be expensive, you know, yeah. whether it's, you know, from a pharmaceutical company or, you know, from, um, like a holistic shop or like a natural shop. So I can really yeah. understand, but, um. Again, it'll probably be hard to get somebody to write for that just because they want to make sure they're protecting their license. Yeah, I guess so, huh? <laughs> but, you know, then again, it's like something as simple as, like, shea butter. Like, yeah, like yeah. really? Really? Yeah. That's, that's not, I don't think there's many side effects that come from that. Not unless, you know, you have, like, a horrible allergy, but right. that would be something that you would kind of no already by now all right right. um another question was are many of the diseases curable or do um, providers make more money prescribing the medication are the diseases curable you know what i was taught and what i really believe is that number one cure is lifestyle changes Mm. and you know some people may think that i'm more of a holistic type naturalistic type person you know myself but I really believe in the power of you know what you feed your body yeah um so I think that a lot of things can be corrected by changing the way you eat yeah increasing exercise like I mean and, and that's true for diabetes for high blood pressure you know, if you catch it soon enough, you know, mm-hmm. lifestyle changes are key. Obviously, okay. once you let that stuff, you know, transpire for some time, then that's when you get the complications that come from that. And then, mm-hmm. unfortunately, there's not always a way back because then you have the diabetics who may have to have their toes amputated or whatever yeah, the case may yeah. be. And, you know, um, sometimes there's no coming back from that. But if you catch it sooner than later or if you teach preventative mm-hmm. care and you know try to find ways to really get your patients to adapt mm-hmm. these lifestyle changes um i feel like that in itself is kind of the cure um as far as i think you said something about medications in that question though, too. yeah if um the providers just prescribe medication because they get more money right, right. instead of you know saying this is curable right. so only take this one dose or whatever right so now as far as myself of course i i don't think i don't do that right Um, most companies nowadays try to have it where you can't fraternize fraternize excuse me with pharmaceutical companies Ah. they they always try to come to us and say hey can i buy you lunch or hey can i do this and that but you cannot take gifts from them they want to make sure that that's not the case for their company because that's a lawsuit i mean if somebody comes back and says oh i found out that 
this doctor just basically pushed this medication because they were working with this company that basically paid them X, Y, Z, that company could be in big trouble. You know, so, so most bigger companies kind uh-huh. of make sure that they share that. Like, that's like, don't fret. No, like you can't. Wow, that's really interesting. So I'm just thinking in my past, and and again, it's different because I am a clinician, not a nurse practitioner or a doctor. Um, In my previous position, um, I had, we worked with individuals with mental health and alcohol and other drug issues. Mm -hmm. And they had reps from um, pharmaceutical companies come. We did have an in-house psychiatrist and nurse practitioner. So right. I don't know, you know, no, how that... No, don't get me wrong, like, we still have rep come, and, like, okay. I go okay. to their speeches. And, okay, and so okay. So, so that's different but from... we can't take anything from them outside of their information. They may oh. give us samples, but we can't take any compensation or anything like that, because that okay. is against the law. Oh. So what so, about the lunches they give? Because they'll do... When they, I was working, they had it with they the lunches. They do lunches, but if it's to oh. the whole clinic, whole clinic yeah, then yeah. it's not just, like, one... You okay. know, provider saying, yeah. okay, well, you're giving me, uh, you know, like you're paying for yeah. my lunch every day, so I'll make sure that I pass this med out. Okay, like every gotcha. Type gotcha. Stuff, you know, okay. so again, bigger companies, I feel like, try to put that in their layout, you know, so that people are clear, like, mm-hmm. like we don't tolerate this, you okay. know. Um, however, I think that there are some old school and new school, you know, <laughs> doctors. <laughs> Who, you know, I mean, they're obviously above my level because I haven't met any, but, you know, I do believe that there are some that probably make a nice money off of working with pharmaceutical companies. And again, if you have a private practice and you're not working in a big company that kind of follows those things, I feel like it may be a bit easier to do it. Um, But again, they're kind of trying to crack down on that. So it's not like, like, I don't feel like it's as commonly seen as it once was in the past. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, Another question is, is the state of the people you see that come in to see you getting worse or better? Do you feel like there's more diseases and sicknesses than it was before when you first entered the field as an RN? Well, being that I haven't been in the field that long, well, I've been an RN since 2010. And I think it's hard, it's kind of hard for me to answer that question because that when I was an RN in 2010, I was dealing with um, adults. Okay. Like most of my RN career, I was dealing with adults, except for when I was a school nurse. Um, and now, I guess when I graduated, I did a, a little bit of family practice, and now I'm adolescent health. But I guess overall, in general, I think I would say that the population is becoming a bit sicker or more sick like I feel like I'm seeing people that are more sick compared to before and I think that I'm saying that just because you're finding that people are getting sick earlier oh okay so So I feel like I'm seeing exactly like I feel like I'm seeing younger adolescent patient children like who have high blood pressure and diabetes and it's not diabetes type one which they kind of can't help, right? Because that's autoimmune, but um, it's diabetes type two, which is related to your diet and exercise and so on and so forth. And obviously hypertension is tied into that as well. So again, I just feel like the culture that we live in Mm -hmm. um, doesn't really kind of push or highlight the importance of living a healthy lifestyle and, you know, 
back when we were coming up, you know, there wasn't as much social media. There wasn't right. as much. I mean, you know, there was TV, but, you know, we I feel like we were still a bit more active. And then people, you know, prior to us were way more active because, yeah. you know, like everybody didn't have cars and, you know, exactly. so on and so forth. So you had to catch the bus or you had to walk right. to your friend's right. house. And now kids are like, can you drop me off at my friend's house? You yes. know, so it's yeah. not it's not much of that going on. So I feel like there are people that are becoming sick at an earlier age and that and that is hard to watch yeah sounds pretty scary though yeah definitely definitely and uh, again you try to educate the parents but most times when the kid is coming in Mm -hmm. and they have those issues there's a good chance that the parents kind of have them too and and they kind of allow them to eat that way and things like that because that's what they're doing Yeah, yeah so um it's difficult because you kind of have to break the generational curse, you know, because yeah. if, if it happens in this generation, then unfortunately, you know, it's a good chance it's going to be passed down to that next generation. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, the last question, do you feel that the medication is key to solving the issues that arise in the body or could some stem from environmental factors? And if eliminated, could that eliminate the physical elements if the environmental factors were eliminated could that re- reduce or eliminate the physical elements that you're seeing yes i definitely do i feel like we talked about this the other day and i use an example that is not coming to mind right now but i do believe that everything is intertwined you know mm-hmm. mentally physically emotionally I guess emotionally is the same as physically or emotionally is the same as mentally, but spiritually, I meant to say, Um, I think that they are all entwined or or intertwined, excuse me. So I think that it's important to address them all when you're dealing with patients. Um, I feel like there are patients that um, who, for instance, come in for chronic pain Mm -hmm. and their chronic pain may lead to depression. Mm, or there are people who come with cancer obviously cancer is not something fun to deal with and that then affects you know their mental health so I feel like the same can be the case you know with mental health affecting physical health Mm -hmm. you know um you being stressed at work yeah that that can cause you to maybe not you know, take care of your body as well as you want to work. You know, you're eating all types of things or you're not eating at all, right? Right, right. Um, Which then, you know, obviously eating more and not exercising, that can affect your blood pressure, that can affect all types of things, you know? So I definitely think that trying to um, zone in on um, some environmental things or Mm -hmm. mental things um, could definitely um, help to decrease some of the comorbidities that we see in our definitely, field. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And shouts out to, I know I mentioned in the earlier part before Nadia got here, is that April is not only National Autism Month, which I mentioned on the very first episode, but April is also Stress Awareness Month. So shouts mm-hmm. out to that. Yes, yes. And that's something that Ironically, I was not aware of the stress awareness month, but I feel like that is something that should be advertised and, um, you know, shared with a lot of people just because who, like, who doesn't deal with stress? Like, I feel like my, my teens that I take care of, adolescents, like parents think that teenagers don't have stress. They do. It may not be the same as our stress, but they do. I, I, exactly. I feel like we all 
we all have a tremendous amount of stress, especially in this day and age. Um, so learning different things as far as how to cope with that stress. Yeah. How to um, how to deal with that is definitely um, a good thing to be aware of. So mm-hmm. I definitely appreciate that being put out there. Definitely. And I love how you intertwine that the physical health as well as the mental and spiritual health are intertwined together. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. Definitely. And you know, that is um, the platform of this podcast is just letting listeners know how all three work together to make the best you. Right. Shout out to you. This is an amazing podcast. Thank you. I'm, Thank I'm, you. I'm really excited for you, you and uh, what's to come from this. I really feel like you're going to reach a lot of people through this. Thank you. Thank um, you. So again, I'm, I'm super you. excited and happy for you. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you were able to come. I got to have you back. We'll have, I don't know what kind of questions we're going to have next time you come back. I'm going to have to but... have my laptop here ready to look up some stuff because y'all came with the big guns. So. Yes, yes. But I appreciate it and I really enjoyed it. So. Yeah, so I look forward to next time. Definitely shouts out, Nadia. Thank you so much. And again, listeners, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback about today's episode, please feel free to email me at tecpodcast2017 at gmail.com. And until next time, peace.